combat divas. Stomp your left, right, left. Combat divas. Hey. Yo, welcome back to the Combat Divas Podcast. It's your girl TG. And your girl Tanisha B. And we are back, 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 back for another episode. And on today, you know, on yesterday actually, I went to a, a dedication for uh, a soldier that we, that passed away um, from injuries in 2009 in Afghanistan. <clears throat> Her name was uh, Simone Robinson, Sergeant Simone Robinson. And going to the dedication and seeing that, well, they dedicated a women's veteran center for just resources for female veterans. Um, and I thought it was amazing. And just to see the sacrifices and things she went through. And somebody there, a lot of people there heard our podcast and was like, oh, we listen to your podcast. It was amazing. It's great. Oh, it's funny. We talk about sex. So, um, <laughs> but when it was somebody there, kind of made a point was like, I hear a lot about you guys in the podcast, but just like bits and pieces and I never get the whole role. Like, can can you let me know? Like, okay, just one episode, maybe just all about Tanisha B and then one episode, just all about TG. So I can kind of get to know you as people, even mm. though they, they, I'm pretty sure they know both of us, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not coming across. Like what more uh, do they want to the, know? Like, just like intimate details, like born you know, your life, what, what, your life stories. Wow. So uh, I'm, we're not gonna tell our whole life stories, but just some kind of some highlights on okay. you know even why this podcast came into existence and how we got to uh, from that point to this point. I thought we talked about that before. We never I, talked I, about. I don't that? think we ever really said like why we started the podcast, like. You know our niche, like what what it was for, and who we plan to reach, and et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, we started the podcast for it was it was mainly for women when we started it. It's now become for more than women because actually some of our biggest fans are men, so that's amazing. Oh, word, but um, it, it was mainly started for women, but now men and women <clears throat> who are focused on you know excelling in their careers. Men who are you know focused on understanding the opposite gender, apparently. <laughs> And uh, women who are focused on their business, you know, uh, growing spiritually, growing socially, growing emotionally, going through those, hitting those bumps in the road and, you know, being able to navigate those obstacles and combat them, quote, you see what I did there? <laughs> and combat them in order to overcome and, and get to that next side. Because as women, right. we deal with kind of special obstacles at times. And we want to be able to illuminate those problems in a humorous way. way as we do in the military, in order to to reach our common goal. And our common goal is for us to to kind of be able to move past and grow past and and get forward. So uh, that's why we started the podcast, me and Tanisha. Um, We started, well, I came up with this idea, and we started with Tanisha because Tanisha is a really, uh, how do you say it? She has a great gift of getting down to the nitty-gritty, I will say that. And and she's really good at... No, seriously, she's really good at 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 arousing the people, like to really get to what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say. Sometimes, sometimes I, I can't really get it out, and it's, and it's like, oh, you mean? I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Oh, cool. And I actually I can talk to nobody else for as long as I will ever talk to Nisha <laughs> on any given occasion on the phone at her house. We cannot get past combat diva talk because we've started a whole nother conversation, and then we start another conversation, and then it's something else. 
And now we're on a whole nother spectrum. And we always have to channel back to the beginning of what we were originally talking about. <laughs> right. And then we start and there's something else. So I guess we get kind of scatterbrained, but it is it goes into like a whole nother realm. But it's always comedy though. Yeah, it's always comedy based. And that's how we deal with conflict really, with with humor. And so it really works for us. It is really exciting. And we know it works for a lot of our female veterans, veterans in general. That's how we deal with stress and trauma with humor. That's true. And we just kept doing it all throughout life. So that's that's kind of how our our show started. And just some background on me, I guess. We talked about some background a little bit, but just a little bit of my personal story, how I got here. And I'll start, at, I guess, when I joined the Army, right? Yeah. You can start <laughs> you, there. You want a veteran to talk a lot, ask them, why, well, why did you join the Army? And they would, t- they would talk to you for hours and hours. I won't. So I joined the Army because I could not pay for college at the time. I had started college. I was young. I was like 20. And I started college, but I realized that, A, I couldn't pay for college, and B, I really didn't like it that much. It was okay, but it wasn't, like, great. Like, I'm not – I'm good at school, but I don't really care enough to be good at it. And so that's my that was my take on school. So anyway, the smooth-talking recruiter was like, hey, you can't pay for school. I got an idea. Why don't you join the army? We give you twenty thousand dollars to join and blah blah. And I was like, hmm, twenty thousand dollars sounds good. I didn't hear anything else besides twenty thousand oh dollars. So that's how I got in the army, and I did it as quickly as possible. I didn't tell anybody. I just like went down to Meps, did everything, and, and joined. And then later on, I was like, hey, guess what? <laughs> guess what I did today? I joined the army. And everybody was pretty pissed off. So <laughs> that's how I got in the Army. And I got in, and it was just like that camaraderie that I think I, I always wanted. I didn't grow I mean, my parents had their own issues, so my grandparents raised me. And they, they did really good. But, you know, I still was longing like a, a form of camaraderie, I guess, or a mm-hmm. sense of family. And uh, the Army helped to to do that. And I, I came back home after my first tour I was so, I hate to say depressed, but I was just like really high strung. Hmm. I would say that. And I was trying to figure out where I belonged because all my, we've talked about this on one episode. All my friends had either just are in college or finishing college. And, you know, I'm coming back from Afghanistan, which is great, but I got nothing in common with nobody because, you know, everybody just went to school. So, you know, trying to find my way and, you know, really spiral, really started to, you know, drink a lot and and you know, do some drugs. And uh, I, I just spiraled out of control. And I remember being so out of control that I did not mind going back overseas. So when the other deployment came up, I didn't mind going back. <clears throat> and so I went back and got more depressed when I came back. Mm. And it went through such a spiral that and this is, I mean, this is National Suicide Month. And I went through such a spiral that I thought about, I contemplated highly uh, just not being here anymore, ending it all. And I remember sitting there at the crossroads. I had everything already pretty much set to end it all. And, you know, asking for a sign pretty much, like if I'm still supposed to be here, give me a sign. And my phone rang. And it was on the other end, it was at that time, sorry, first class Jackson to complain about stuff that was going on in the unit. <laughs> so, oh, you know, yeah, you know, I, I can't do this, I can't do that, you know, my, my, my arms are tired. And I remember talking to him and being like, oh my God, stop complaining. Blah. I'm just going on and on and on and on because we just had like a playful banter. I didn't really like him that much, but we had like a banter. And I'm fussing at him for like getting yourself together, get yourself together, man, pull it together. 
And after after our conversation, I, I, I think I just kind of a weight lifted a little bit that, you know, I was necessary to this life. And, um, you know, kind of regrouped a little bit. I was completely intoxicated at this point because I had drowned my sorrows in vodka, which is why I don't drink vodka to this day. And um, It's like a trigger? Vodka could be a trigger. I don't know. I just don't drink it. It's got bad memories. So <laughs> so I um, you know, got to the end of the bottle and was like, you know what? I'm going to go sleep it off and I'm going to figure this shit out. Like I'm, I am going to figure out how to maintain my life without all this interference because at that point, it was just like the military. I was trying to transition from... From being away to coming home, you know, my family was depending on me constantly, calling me constantly. Not my regular family, like my extended family and friends were like always depending on me. So I was always the reliable one. Like, okay, here I come. Okay, here I come. Okay, here I come. I- I'm moving. I, I got it. I- I'll be there. And I was completely wore out. And I talked about this on another show. Like, I could not maintain a healthy lifestyle anymore because, uh, and Tanisha put this to me one time, like, you, you gave yourself to so many people, you-, you have nothing left for yourself. And it was true, and I didn't have the courage to love myself as much as I loved other people. And I figured that out from that phone call that I I wanted to help him more than I wanted to end life, you know. And I figured out that that was a problem. That was an issue for me, and I needed to figure out how to love myself more than I loved everybody else. And I went on this, like, sabbatical and, you know, just kind of got to know myself and did some, some law of attraction um, uh, kind of studying and figured out, like, man, I, you know, I got all these skills within myself, and I'm not using them. And I started to use them more and, and understand more who I was and all of that. And, you know, uh, like like four months later, I ended up marrying that guy. Wow. Um, that was on the other end of that phone. And so, uh, and he, 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 he don't even really know the story. So... So he don't know that he saved your life. Yeah, he, he don't know that he, he actually... That phone call at that moment is what I needed to... To keep living. That was your sign. That's crazy. So, yeah. And, you know, a couple months later, you know, we end up getting together. So, I thought that was amazing. And it just went to show me how how far I was. And the Army played a role in it, but it, it was a lot of me in my own way. And the Army just made it a little bit more difficult because I, I couldn't transition. You know, I was, yeah. I was so high strung. Like, I was still carrying, you know, knives with me. You know, yeah. all the time. You know, I, I carry a knife to the bathroom. I ain't still got. You know, I was at home. I didn't have to carry a knife to the bathroom anymore. But you got used to it because if I didn't have a battle buddy, and I went to the bathroom. I needed to be safe, right? right. So I, I carried some type of weapon and just hyper vigilant. You know, driving down the highway and seeing stuff on the side of the highway and being like, "Oh man, let me swerve," you know, or "Let me drive this way" because I don't want to. I don't want to run this over. Not realizing that I'm back at home. So I was still in such a battle mind that I couldn't calm myself down. It was really, really rough. That was a really big transition. But I finally figured it out. Wow. I know I, know I just gave you an ear for it. I mean, that was a Sorry. compelling story. I, um, and like even down to the, the suicide part. Yeah. And <laughs> I won't be that selfish person. Like, why didn't you call me? Like, <laughs> because in that moment... Like you need you needed something from the outside world to reach into you rather than you reaching out to the outside world. Yeah. Because that's when you know a person is like super serious. I don't want anyone like I want to be stopped, but I don't have the strength to reach out. Mm-hmm. So that was that hand that reached in and pulled you out yeah. of that dark space because you was well intentioned, 
on just not being here. And then you had that one last request, like, I need a sign. Mm -hmm. And then that person reached in. So it was more than just love for your now husband. It was, it was something that like, man, I, I feel this, this, this not indebtment, like in debt, like I'm indebted to this person, but it was like, man, like you was that person that saved my life. Yeah. Yeah. It, so he, I, I didn't put it together until after we got together, but I never told him the story because, I, you know. Will you ever tell him the story? Yeah. Well, he'll hear it now because he listens to the show. Does so, he? Yeah. So I, that'll be interesting <laughs> uh, when he does hear it. But I, I think it was that, that big sign to take care of myself. And I, you know, you carry these burdens, especially being in the military, we carry these burdens for, for years and years and years. And we don't show our real selves, right? Because we got to keep driving on. Right. So we drive on, we drive on, we drive on year after year and keep going, humping, 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 never really showing ourselves. And, the, and we start to come apart. Yeah. Because we don't process. We don't process much of anything. Mm-hmm. We don't have time to process because life keeps moving on. Time stops for no man. Yeah. Or a woman. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just one of those things to where it's like, all right, uh, we really don't have the time to to fall apart because mm. we have to Charlie Mike yeah. continue mission. Yeah. And it's just it's difficult. Like it's you can't process somebody leaving. You can't process and somebody leaving because they injured. Like if you were deployed overseas, you can't process a person dying. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, all right, well, we'll give you your the rest of your day. All right, we're gonna shut down stuff for the day, mm-hmm. but we still got stuff on the schedule for the next day, and you have to keep pushing. Mm-hmm. So you have to swallow everything and just kind of go into almost like autopilot. Like I, I can't yeah. process, it. and then when it is all over, you come back home after deployment, and there is no day to day to keep your mind occupied. Yeah, there is no time hacks. There is no missions. There mm-hmm. is no nothing. Now it's just you. Mm-hmm. And if it's just like. If you have family, then it's just you and your family. Yeah. If it's just you, then that makes it a little bit harder because it's like, all right, now mm-hmm. nothing is cluttered up my brain. Yeah. I don't have all these, you know, time hacks and all these schedules and all this stuff to meet. Mm-hmm. Now all of the stuff that I didn't process for that entire year or year and a half is like a ceiling caving in on you. <laughs> it really is a ceiling cave. That's a good way to so now I, it's like. What the fuck do I do? Yeah, because it's all coming down on you at one point. And I mean, it's just everything you haven't processed. You know, I you haven't processed anything overseas, and nor have you processed the things that have happened at home that you, you know, know about or are aware of. And now you can't do anything about it. So you come back home thinking, okay, I can do this, I can you, but you're ready to come home. I mean, yes. every day we I mean we count down. We got three hundred days in a wake up type of thing. But <laughs> once we get home, you know, it's it's very very difficult and it's very very hard to, um, just make that transition and be comfortable in, in who we are. Because for me, I know for sure I was so hyper vigilant; it was ridiculous. Oh, like yeah. I remember coming back to 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 the unit and people noticed that. Like I was like, "Dude, chill! Like <laughs> like it's it's gonna be okay." And I was just like, "No, we gotta we gotta hurry up. We gotta get here. We gotta get." Like everything was like a hurry of urgency. Like I had to do it. It had to be done. And like you know, Tanisha and was they had been home for so long. It was like chill. I mean, <laughs> we good. Like relax. <laughs> but everything for me was was an emergency, and yeah. it, it really took a toll. I didn't know how much of a toll it was taking on me at that time because I would numb it by drinking um, during that time period. You know, earmuffs for my 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 parents. 
um, I was like, I was, I was doing cocaine, like, like constantly, like I was, I was storing coke, which is an expensive habit. <laughs> but I, mean, I was, crack, I was, crack I was, is whack, you know, that's cheap. So. <laughs> I was storing coke just to, just to keep afloat, just to try to keep my lifestyle in order, because I felt like I needed it. I needed to stay awake. I needed to be a, a vigilant. I needed to be present. But it's it wanted like to be everything, for everybody. nothing, like, like right, nothing was really going on, that, and that was the part that I could not understand. It's like for what? Why? Why do I have to be awake? Why I was do I have like to be ready like, for anything? Like you was like, on, like you was like on a forever on guard. Or something. Yeah, it, it was like I needed to be on guard. Like I didn't want to sleep because I didn't, I didn't. I felt like sleep was vulnerability. So it's like, oh, oh my man, god, I, I don't want to be. Yeah, sleep is for the week. You know, I was so crazy when I came home from Afghanistan. That first tour really rocked my my existence. And I was just like, whatever I got to do it. And so I, I need the cocaine to stay awake, but I needed I need alcohol to to go to sleep because. But you know what? I didn't realize how close in proximity it was to the, your second tour. Like, you got deployed or you started your um, mobilization process. What was it like? Late two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Like yeah. And then deployed. You were in Afghanistan in two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. Two thousand eight. And then. And then 2010, mid 2010, we getting ready yeah. our you know pre deployment mm-hmm. uh, mobilization to to go back to not go back to Afghanistan because we I've never been to Afghanistan, mm-hmm. but to go back overseas and yeah. that must have been quite the the shift. Like okay, what the fuck? Like because you yeah. probably over there like what the fuck? I'm never coming back to this motherfucker again. You can't get <laughs> me to come back to the motherfucker. I would never ever ever ever. And then it's like oh yeah okay that's great. You would never go back to Afghanistan again. Yeah. Boom, go send your ass out right. But when I got home, I, I was okay with going back because it was like nothing at home was for me. That I, routine. I was, yeah, because I I had something that I was, you know, it was not to sound cliche, but it was, it was larger than me. It was larger than life. You know, it was something <laughs> that I was a part of that was bigger than me. And I was necessary bigger. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I needed to be there. And I felt like, you know, going back was like another purpose. Like, okay, cool. Now I have a purpose in life again. I can go back and and, and 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 make a difference. I feel that. You had to go. It was like you was going, getting back to routine. Like, all right. It's like yeah. you were, I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> but like in it's a twisted crazy. way. Yeah. Because you hate it when you're over there. Like every second, I but hate it. But you miss it. Yeah. That's the crazy part. You go over there and you can't think of nowhere else yeah. to be but here. Mm. You want to be at home so Bad that you dream about it, you can reach out and you can feel your own bed. You can Man. walk right to your own bathroom and you feel it. It's in your soul, like, yep. oh. Mm-hmm. And then you get home. It's like, I kind of, I kind of miss my buddies. <laughs> I, I, I kind of miss the motor pool. Like, I, yeah. I kind of miss the missions. I kind of miss the just waking up and having something to do every yeah, day. Yeah, you, you have that that extreme purpose. And I remember, I knew all of us was was fucked up. Be honest with you. Yeah. When we went out to it, we. When we got back, we got back in like a November, and yeah. me and Tanisha B was on this appointment together. Yeah, we got back in October, November. They got back in October. What was it Sept- no Sept- September? What? Wait, no, wait. You know what? We came back home. We flew back home September 11th. Okay, 2011, and then um, we still had to be in Indiana for a little bit. Okay, our uh, D like D uh, debriefing uh, demo. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. So, so y'all came back. In like October. Now yeah. I had to come back early because I got I got ill while I was overseas. I had a little injury and got ill from it. Blah blah. So I had to come over. I had to come back home early. But I was in Fort Leonard, Missouri, for a couple months, and we we end up all coming home at the same time because I came home right after y'all came home, right before y'all came home. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember that December of that same year, 2011, 
one of our friends had a birthday party. Mm-hmm. And we were, in, like, you could tell that, I mean, we were like animals in a cage. And, like, we finally got out. We were at a birthday party. It was at a club downtown Chicago. And we were, like, on the couches, on the bars, we like, dancing insane. crazy. It was, like, the best time ever. We were, like, yeah. And, like, you you could see the regular civilians, like, are you guys okay? Like, what's, like, wow, animals. People don't like, usually <laughs> act like this at the club. Let's like, I'm trying to make sure. We was, like, yeah, let's just get. I mean, we had all type of bottles coming our way. We was, like, taking off our shoes and dancing on all the furniture. Like like making people go away, like treating them like shit. It was just like crazy, and yeah. people and it was like half of the soldiers were in the, in the bathroom snorting cocaine. The other soldiers were like out dancing on the couches. Everybody was drunk, so it it yeah. was it was a crazy time. But it was we had brought a few civilians with us, <laughs> and they were like, "Fam, like I know y'all don't know this, but this is not how we behave in clubs. Like we, we usually just we dance on the dance floor, everything cool, you know, and that's it. Like you guys are actually." Like almost swinging from, you look like animals out here. He was like, really? Ah, and we just yeah. like kept going. Like, I yeah. Probably, the only thing I remember was taking a picture at home. <laughs> Before I got there, I was like, okay, because the theme was like, uh, my black is beautiful black or something like something. that. Yeah. So I had like a black dress and some gold shoes and some accessories, cute. But and then I remember getting there. Yeah, and then like we had a few drinks, and then it was like let's get a bottle service, and like and, and that does usually doesn't make any fucking sense because you know the <laughs> bottles that you can get from your local liquor store right. is like ten <laughs> right. times cheaper than what you're gonna pay in a club. But we just right. thought it was okay. It was like well, fuck it because we got money. We, we come young. back home, yeah, with quite a few grand coming yeah. back home, yeah, and we in the clubs like it made sense. Like oh what? How much is that? I- like it, whatever. Like we're making it rain in the y'all, club. Y'all want to go half? Okay, we go half. Like, yeah. and then I don't remember getting home. It, I I can't remember how I got home I don't either. How I got home. And that's a shame. But I remember having a great time. A and I remember everybody that came home with us were like insane. It was it was crazy the amount of of energy. Man. But you could see the the survival mode in everybody's eyes. It, happy to be home. We were just happy to be home. But at the same time, we had no idea how to act. We had no idea how to be. Regular people, it's like a kid that don't never go outside. And as soon as you take them outside, they start cartwheeling because they don't know. They they have no idea what freedom looks like. And I think that's how we felt when we was coming home. It was absolutely crazy. And that was my best memory, best and worst, actually, <laughs> of coming home and, and and realizing, like, you know, okay, there's a problem. <laughs> Clearly, that's a disconnect because we're not, we not operating like regular people. Yeah. And we I had to try to figure out from that point on. And it has been difficult ever since. From that point... On that I realized that at that night that maybe we got some problems. On through, I had a hard time adjusting. Yeah. And I still, like, you know, have those thoughts of, okay, how to adjust. And I know a lot of women, men and women, go through this process of how do I adjust again? How do I figure this out again? Because after a while, we figure out that there's a problem, and so we 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 hide it. Yeah. And we we put on a mask, and we put it way deep inside, and we never reveal ourselves to, to life. We just... We just keep hiding it and keep hiding it and keep hiding it until we just have a coming part at the the worst moments, like you know Thanksgiving. <laughs> like you know what you don't know what I've been through and just just go off. Take out the flyer away. Yeah, because your auntie don't really know what you've been through and she say shit like you so pretty, you ain't been through nothing and you just go oh, crazy. Okay, Maybe right. personal experience because I ain't go through Jim Crow. <laughs> okay, because like, like, somehow your life is harder than mine. Right, like you don't know what I've been through. I remember having a coming part at Thanksgiving for no reason. You don't know what the fuck I've been through. And my grandma was like, be careful. She knows stuff. And like she, like, she probably she, she probably was trying was to save like, everybody. It's probably like civil rights. Yeah. 
I feel like that can trump any conversation. <laughs> Jim Crow. Jim Crow. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Fire hose. <laughs> Vicious dogs. You're like, all right, goddamn. <gasps> fuck it. Fuck my life. Okay, you've been through worse. Yeah, I feel like it win. wasn't a competition, but whatever. You win, but... <laughs> it's <like> whatever. <laughs> At the same time, man, it was just... It was a really hard adjustment period. And every day is still an adjustment. I'm still adjusting to this day, and it's been over 10 years. And right. I still find myself adjusting over and over again. So, All right. So I'm going to jump into a little bit of my backstory. Go ahead. So yeah, uh, TG, she did birth the idea and I am beyond grateful for her birthing the idea of this podcast because um, I've been working for the government uh, on both sides of the civilian side and also, you know, I'm in the military. So I can't, I'm not really going to disclose um, what government entity that I work for because, you know, I mean, we have a lot of meetings and I'm not supposed to. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I, I was looking for something and I'm like, it was it was always this disconnect within myself, looking for something, looking for something like, dang, what is my purpose? I'm like, I know I went to school for this and I know I have, you know, like little talents here and there or whatever, but I'm like, I need something. And then here comes TG like, Let's start a podcast. I'm like, <laughs> yes. That's it. That sounds like me. Thank you so much. Like, oh, let's start a podcast. Yeah. Yep. Super like excited. That. Even if I read it, <laughs> even if I read it in the text message, I read it, I, I read it in her voice. <gasps> so I get the whole animation, and everything. So I'm like, ha ha ha, check it to myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I um let me go. I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago. To a single mom, I born and raised in Ida B. Wells Housing Projects. Okay. I know, I know it doesn't seem like it. Nope, so I know I'm so like, people will call me uh, bougie or I'm so like, whatever, a whatever. But a like, bit. whatever, I take that. I feel like I was born in the wrong neighborhood. <laughs> you know, even in high school, they was like, ah, where are you from? Naperville? Oh my God. Like, <laughs> probably my soul belonged in Naperville. Like, I fit in when we did this student exchange thing, but whatever. Right. <laughs> That's another story. But, um, you know, I was raised by this strong, strong, incredibly strong black woman, and mm. I am incredibly grateful for this woman. She raised um, both uh, my brother and I in like the roughest neighborhood in Chicago at the time. Growing up mm. in the like late '80s, early '90s, it was you know super rough. Yeah. But um, with her, you know, having her minimum wage job, uh, of course, it was it would be almost impossible for her to send. Um, my brother and I to school. Yeah. And I remember asking her, like, mom, like, you know, we got a little college fund. She looked at me like, okay. I was like, <laughs> college. Is that a no? <laughs> so, like, we got food today. Okay. Uh-huh. And, and you know what? And she did, uh, she did a, a very tremendous job. Like, um, I never went to bed hungry. I didn't always have what I wanted, but I had what I needed. I didn't have the name brand shoes all the time growing up. I'm like, I didn't have the name brand clothes, but my clothes were clean, Mm -hmm. my clothes fit, and I was fit. So I was grateful. Mm -hmm. But like I said, she was like, if you want to go to school, you need to find the money. Mm. So me finding the money, um, we had like a college fair at at my high school, and it was a recruiter there, Mm. like for Army. Mm -hmm. And- I always kind of wanted to join the military, but I wanted to do something like maybe like Air Force or Navy because I have a lot of family that's, you yeah. know, in the service. Mm. But it all started with me wanting this cool ass pencil that oh, was wow. on his desk. I was like, oh, look at that camouflage pencil. Like, <laughs> I want one of these. Can I have one of these? Yeah, of course you can have one. You can have one. You got two. You can have three. You can have them all. 
um, well, let me drop something on you right quick. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I kind of just want the pencil guy. I, <laughs> I don't I want anything this. else. I don't want to, I want what is this? And then he showed me the thing and it said 100% tuition to any state funded school mm. and, you know, in Illinois. And I was just like, huh, mm. my mom did say find the money. So, I mean, yeah. I heard him out. And then next thing I know, um, a recruiter was coming to my house. Um, I'm taking like one of those pre, I'm in his office taking one of those pre-tests mm-hmm. and it was just one of those things like just to have like on record or whatever. I was like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. And then I talked to my mom and then next thing I know, I'm like, I'm 17 years old and my mom has to sign my life away for me. Yeah. I couldn't sign, I couldn't sign myself up for the military. My mom had to like, in the sense of co-sign for me because mm-hmm. I wasn't an adult. So when you was like, hey, surprise, I yeah. couldn't do a surprise. I was like, yeah. So I need you to sign this <laughs> yeah, to yeah. say that I belong to Uncle <laughs> Sam now and I don't belong to you. Yeah. Is that okay? My grandma wouldn't sign when I when I tried to do it the first time. She she wouldn't. So oh, my mom was is pretty cool. so excited. Yeah. Oh, she signed. <laughs> she was like, oh, are you sure this is what you want to do? Yeah, sure. I guess. You know, I get to go to school. Right. So I just got to go to like some training, like a camp or whatever. And it was like, yeah. So <laughs> like a camp. Yeah. So I realized, and I took my very first flight to um, St. Louis. Um, and then they took us to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri for my, for my basic training. And they were nice. Mm-hmm. And I remember them being nice. I was like, oh, okay, well, it's not bad. Yeah. Right? And then they were a little forceful. They was a little bit, you know, a little pushy, mm-hmm. you know, during the reception process or whatever, going through. <laughs> a little pushy. <laughs> going to say through. the least. And then, then you get to this assembly line when you're in reception to where now you treat it like almost like those little robots. You see the robots go through a single line and they little do a little tweak and then right. little, little yeah, that's what it was. And but we was going through a shot line mm. to where it's literally people on both sides of you as you walk forward shooting you in the fucking arm <laughs> with all mm. types of shit. And then on top of that, we all had to line up on the wall, expose a portion of our butt cheeks to get a fuck. <gasps> what was that? A penicillin? Uh, I think it's a penicillin shot. It was like a penicillin and shot and, our, and, and shot in the ass. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck did I just yeah, do? Yeah, it was the most, yeah, not fun so, thing ever. Yeah. That wasn't even the the tip of it. You go through, you you go to day zero. So your first day don't even fucking count. Yeah. Day zero of basic training. And I remember was like, in, what the fuck did I do? Were you was in reception or you was no, in basic? No, after reception, I'm going through the first, like day zero. So they, where they pick you up to go, they was like, take you downhill. I'm like, downhill? Uh, yeah, What's yeah, this yeah. downhill about? Like, it, is it literally something downhill? It was like, yeah, we're going to take you down the hill. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I'm like, yeah, we finally go to basic training. Okay. Right. And then they pull up with this very old, rickety, rusty truck, and they call it the cattle truck. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. now we treat it like animals. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's like, Get the fuck on the bus. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. That was Put really your rough. face in a bag. So yeah. you really don't even know where you're going at this point. Yeah. So your face is in the bag. You're going downhill. And then in basic training, you legit get a chance to meet the bestest friends that you probably would never meet yeah. again Definitely. in your life. And you have literally the, the worst and the best time of your life. Right. If you treat it right, because yeah. some people let it get the best of them, and they talk to us about a lot of soldiers, they just couldn't take it. 
committed suicide uh, during the the basic rifleman mm-hmm. part of you know the military or whatever, and I actually end up staying in touch with one of my friends, and I still stay in touch with her right now today. Nice. One girl from basic training, mm-hmm. so I am grateful for that. I mean, everybody else, you know, bits and pieces. I keep in touch with them, like whatever on online, Facebook, Instagram, or whatever. But mm-hmm. to fast forward to the very end, and mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, let's get this school thing going. All right, graduated. <laughs> okay, graduated for my my AIT <laughs> uh, advanced individual training. Or advanced initial training. Individual. One of those. Yeah, it's individual. Individual. Okay. Mm -hmm. So graduated from there. I remember coming back and I'm like, all right, what do I need for school? Yeah. Because I'm ready. I did basic training. Y'all said 100%. Right. I've been in a year. And I think by that time I had been in almost a year. So they was like, they'll start paying once you've been in a year. Mm -hmm. So been in almost a year. And I'm like, all right, let's get this paperwork. And he was like, yeah. You wait on wait 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 on that. I'll give you a call. I was like, all right, cool. I'm just reporting in. They gave us paperwork. They said report <laughs> into your unit. And that's what I'm doing. Right. So next thing I know, I get a call and then I check my um, they was like for you to check your email. I was like, check my email. They sent me orders. Wow. I was sent orders. I think it was it came via email first and then it came through the mail. You have been um what was that? Uh, you have been... Mobilized? No, not even mobilized. You have been uh, selected... Oh, wow. Selected. To participate and Wait, involuntary... No, wait. You've been involuntarily activated to participate wow. in Operation Iraqi Freedom. And wow. I was just like, what? <laughs> what exactly does this excuse, mean? Excuse me, what? <laughs> does this mean I'm going like to Iraq? Oh, like, wow. what does this even mean? Like, I'm 18 years old, and I remember, oh, my God. Yeah. I'm going to die. Oh, wow. I legit thought that this was the end of my life. I'm going to go over <laughs> here. I'm going to get <laughs> shot, and somebody's going to come to my mom's door in uniform and be like, yeah, we lost your daughter. Oh, wow. I, I, I immediately saw my last 18 years of my life flash before my oh, eyes. Or at wow. least the ones that parts of my life I can remember, like, up to, like, four. And yeah. Whatever. <laughs> but I was so terrified and then that began my my deployment. Mm. Um I was mobilized uh in Wisconsin, uh Fort McCoy, Wisconsin. And I just remember just just constantly just anxious. Mm. So we had a lot of parties. We drank. Yeah. A lot. And keep in mind I was 18 mm. and I so drank. Under underage drinking. Underage drinking okay. a lot. And the key <clears throat> words was <laughs> Don't get caught. <laughs> so that was the thing over there. Like, hey, you know, it's only wrong if you get caught. Yeah. Now, if you get caught, you don't know how you got this alcohol. Yeah. You don't know who gave it to you. Yeah. You did it on your own free will. It was like a no Don't you throw nobody policy. under no fucking bus. Right. Exactly. Don't throw nobody on no fucking bus. Yeah. Don't be like, hey, it was sorry because they would deny and your ass would be up the goddamn river this with no paddle. True. This so, is true. So I didn't get caught. Mm-hmm. But then I just also started like just issues mm-hmm. of coping with things through with alcohol. alcohol. Yeah. Because now it's like, all right, so all of us together now, we alive, we thriving, but we may come back and the person to the left and the right of you may not come back with you. Yeah. But it's one of those things you ain't thinking about. You 18, turn up, let's mm-hmm. drink, let's dance. Hey. And then the next day we got training. What the fuck? <laughs> so that was <laughs> that was the two months of our training. 
And then we get deployed. We boots on ground, 2004 for me. And my brother was on the deployment with me. But, you know, it's still, it was still like, it was like a sense of comfort because to have your family with you. But it's still also scary because we were my mom's only two children. And you and your brother went to Iraq at the same time? Yes. Wow. So I get over there. We go through a few weeks of training in Kuwait. And then we start our journey up, you know, up the, up the road to Iraq. Like several hours away, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you get there. My first day on base, everything cool. Like first afternoon, we get. There. I think we got there like later that night or something. So it was like okay, couldn't really see the place too good, but bed down and you know get stuff together. And then like that very next day, March seventeenth, I would never forget this day for as mm-hmm. long as I live. March March seventeenth, two thousand and four. That afternoon is a day I can always see clear as day. It was the day I lost my friend. And it was kind of, it was not even kind of sad. It was extremely sad because he was the same person that was on the phone with my mom. He had been to, um, he had been to Iraq before. Not Iraq, I'm sorry. He'd been to Saudi. He was part of the the Desert Desert Storm. Storm. Okay. And he was like, no, I got y'all. I got your kids. You know, they good with me. You know, I had already been down this road before. You know, this ain't my first rodeo. And Mm -hmm. I got them. I got them. And. And I was like, yeah, he was like, and then I remember because we had fell out right before we flew over to go to um, go overseas. Mm-hmm. And then I remember like, I think at one of the airports, he was like, you know, we cool or whatever. And I was like, yeah, you know, fuck all this dumb shit or whatever. Mm-hmm. He gave me a hug. He was like, we, you know, I've been down this road before. I got you or whatever. And then March 17th, when we like, we got attacked by first, um, first mortars. Mm. And we had trained for it before. Train, 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 train. We even did the loud slamming down or something like, boom. All right, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to get down. You know, the shrapnel flies up. Blah, blah, blah. I kid you not, all that shit flew out of my fucking head as soon as I first heard a mortar hit the ground. I'm standing there like literally in the days watching this bright blue sky with partly cloudy and I'm just looking like, you know, like those scenes where you see like uh, on a video game, mm-hmm. you just see like the sky. Yeah. That's it. And I'm just standing there and I can hear everything. It was like almost in slow motion and I can hear him say, get down, get mm. down. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, I felt like I felt something pull me, but I got down and then I see my brother dart past me, fucking hat fly <laughs> off his head and he dove <laughs> into a bunker Found out later on that he really didn't dive into the bunker where it looked so just like an action movie. Turns out he fucking tripped. <laughs> he fell into the fell bunker. fell into the fucking bunker. So I was like, oh shit. And then I found out later that he felt enormous guilt because he is my big brother. Mm. And he felt like, fuck, I left my little sister out there. Wow. I'm going to just pause it right there. It was getting good, right? So what, I'm gonna, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to pick this up for a part two of our episode. So this is exactly how you can reach us. Hey battles, you can reach us at Combat Divas Podcast on Instagram as well as YouTube. Combat Divas Pod One on our Twitter account, Combat Divas Podcast at gmail.com. Combat Divas Podcast on our Facebook page. We'll see you all there. Bye. Combat Divas. Stomp your left, right, left. Combat Divas